Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 78 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And Riley, it's a pretty big week for us over here at Buds and Blue Jays, because that's right. It's our birthday, Riley. It has officially been one year since our first episode of Buds and Blue Jays, and it's kind of crazy to see how far we've come in just one year of uh, doing this baseball podcast. Happy one year to Jesse and I in the podcast universe. Um, we've had a lot of fun doing this. And, um, you know, we started last year with a pretty, very small crowd. We've gained some followers on, yep. you know, all our platforms. It's good. We enjoy doing this a lot. Obviously, avid ball fans, but being, you know, small town Canadian kids, we love the Toronto Blue Jays, grew up watching the Blue Jays. It's a lot of fun for us. And, um, yeah, we're same thing as last year bringing you all the series recaps and things like that, breaking Mm -hmm. news, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is. We're going to cover it all for you guys. As we do. Yep. So today on the show, we're going to do a little bit of flashback to what we've done in our very first episode. And that's where we went through all the offensive pieces on the roster. We discussed how good we think they're going to be based on their projections. Do we have any concerns about any of these players? Do we think any of these players have a big breakout coming? Plus, we've got to dive into some stadium renovations update and so much more. But first, Riley, we got to talk about what's been going on in Blue Jays' lands all week, and that is the Bo Bichette arbitration case going on here because the deadline came and went, and the Jays were able to get come to an agreement with 11 different players, Vlad, Varsho, Romano, Jansen, Meza, Simber, and others. But the one notable exception, Riley, the Jays were not able to reach an agreement on their star shortstop, Bo Bichette. So they'll go through the process. They will have a neutral arbitrator decide what Bo Bichette's salary is going to be for the 2023 season. Bo and his camp filed in at $7.5 million, and the Jays have filed for a measly $5 million. Riley, that $2.5 million gap is the largest in baseball for any player in baseball this season. So first thoughts, Riley, on Bo Bichette going through his arbitration case. I first, I first want to start off by saying that uh, since the beginning of time in baseball, the shortstop has been maybe one of the most valued positions on the ball diamond. And it's not too often that you, you don't often see t- teams um, win it all with um, with a subpar shortstop. You usually have a team with a pretty good shortstop. I personally think it's a great position as well. Um, and it should be a position that is, you know, highly valued. And I think for the a player that has led the American League in hits two years in a row, I think it's almost, I think I, my, I told you I would pay him $8 million just (laughs) flat out. That's me personally. That's how I would value him. I know there are other, you know, there's other figures that, um, you know, are backed up by numbers, but I mean, you should have just gave him the 7.5. I mean, it's it's with the money we want to spend. I don't know if it's going to affect Bo's morale too much or whether it affects what's going to happen on, you know, when the time he hits free agency, whether, you know, I, I doubt that. I doubt that there is going to be talks of extensions. Um, well, at this point in the future, obviously we're still going through this, but pay the, pay the man. I mean, you can pick apart Bo Bichette's game from top to bottom, but at the end of the day, I mean, we got to pay the man. He's, he's probably going to be our shortstop. We didn't go after one in the last couple of free agencies. Mm-hmm. I think, I think he's, um, I think he's about past due and um, we got to, we, we got to lock up a valuable player. Absolutely. Yeah. For what it's worth, the Jays have only gone to arbitration with three players since Mark, uh, Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins took over and they were Ryan Tapera in 2019, Roberto Osuna in 2018 and Marcus Stroman in 2018. Now I remember Marcus Stroman when he had his arbitration case, there were some things where people were saying like, you know, I'll never forget the hurtful things my team said about me. Cause what you're doing here in these arbitration cases is you, you are telling your player, 
all the reasons they are bad at their game and why they're not worth the money that they think they are worth. And that can really get into a head of a player. And yeah, Bo Bichette, you know, he's always got his high head. He's always been a very confident kid, right? So maybe this stuff won't bother him too much. But, you know, you never like hearing from your boss that the team you're trying to put your best foot forward for that you just aren't as good as you think you are, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, like I said, you can pick apart Bo's game, but at the end of the day, he's a player that you should try and nurture, nurture in a way. He's a young enough guy. Like I said, he plays a premium position. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, I mean, he's still developing. I mean, we don't know what he's going to do the next three seasons. I mean, he has a very high ceiling. I mean, I'm sure he hasn't hit it yet. And that's coming from a guy who has put up some pretty good offensive numbers. I mean, yeah, honestly, we're, we're, we're dole. We doled out the money we did to guys like, I get it, Brandon Belt on a one-year contract, things like that. But I mean, it's it's you got to take a chance on the on the guy. I was kind of upset throughout this year that even Vladdy didn't get an extension. You know, there's still there's, there's still a lot time, of things. Yeah, there's of course there's still time, but of of course, like I'm worried about the 2023 season, like you, Jesse. But I still mm-hmm. like to set up our ball club's future in you know the best way I think is a see fit, and I see fit that you know if. If we don't end up, you know, with Bo Bichette, I mean, where are we going to look for a shortstop? I mean, we're going to have to dig through some free agency and then we probably end up overpaying a guy. So and right. we're trying to basically underpay Bo Bichette. I totally I totally think and I, I'm not the only one who thinks this. I think he's more valuable than five million dollars a year when you look around the league and see what the market's like. I think here's the case, though, if you are the Toronto Blue Jays, and here's why you're saying you think Bo Bichette is only good for $5 million a year. If you look at the like the good shortstops in Major League Baseball in their first arbitration year, these are what like some of the top players got. Carlos Correa, his first arb year, made $5 million. Trevor Story, when he was with the Rockies there and had some good years coming up, he only made $5 million. Sander Bogarts made four point five. Corey Seager made $4 million, And Trey Turner made $3.725 million. So the only shortstop who in, his, in the last five years who in their first year of arbitration made more money than that was Francisco Lindor. And at that time he had already been an all-star three times. He had received MVP votes and he was already a gold glove award winner. So he has a lot more accolades than what Bo Bichette has. So maybe the blue Jays kind of thought there is where they would go for 5 million. But if you're Bo Bichette, you're making the case. I'm 24. I'm one of the most athletic players in this game. I'm at like a key piece to the success the Blue Jays are going to have. Former All-Star. You mentioned he led the AL in hits for two years in a row. And he can make the case that in September and October, when the games mattered most, Bo Bichette showed up. He put up his best month of his career during that time. And you can make that case that that should be worth more money. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm. I'm usually a guy who sides with the players anyways. I can see yeah. it from the side of the Blue Jays front office, the organization, how how they how they see it. The price for players is also being driven up. I think that has mm-hmm. a lot to do to do with it. I mean, you got to put a competitive price on the table. This is something throughout Bo Bichette's tender with with the Blue Jays. I'm sure he won't forget it. Now, and that's not necessarily will affect him, but he won't forget that come you know the to- next time they talk money and what he's worth in a season. I mean, I don't I don't know, man. I don't like any sort of animosity. I personally think there should be a big divider between the front office players that's just me <laughs> but there's not this is a time where they co- kind of camaraderie and have to talk about what he's worth and uh, me personally i'm so i'm fine the arbitrator which i i can not be an arbitrator for biased reasons but <laughs> i mean i'm so, 7.5 for bull bichette easily man so riley what do you say boba a free agent in 2026 if you had to put a percent chance on it that he resigns with the blue Jays at that time where would you put that line 
Right now, I'm saying it's about, I'm saying like right now, I'm saying it's at about a 25% chance is what I'm, is what I'm thinking. If I'm rolling, if I'm flipping a coin four times, it's landed on, it's landed on heads once and tails three times for Bo Bichette to, um, I mean, remain a Blue Jay obviously would be ideal. I mean, I don't know what kind of, you know, what free agency is looking like in 2026. I'm sure there's still good players on the market. But I think the scheme fit for this ball club, a lot of it is centered around Bo Bichette hitting high in the order and um, and obviously putting up the numbers he does, man. I mean, it's a tough it's a it's a tough one if you're a fan. Obviously, the owners in front office don't want to do all this, mm-hmm. but, you know, you're trying to save money and. You know, maybe this this starts this starts the ball whether you know Bobachette wants to remain a Blue Jay come that time because I can't see an extensioning happening anytime this year. I'd be very surprised if that's the case, Riley. I had it as low as fifteen percent. It seems more and more likely each day that Bobachette is going to test free agency. But maybe if that motivates him to put up some good years in these next three years, maybe it's all worth it. But who knows? Moving on here now, another big news in Blue Jays land this week is that the Rogers Center has been going through some renovations and the field. And I'm Riley, I'm sure you've seen some of the pictures of some of the work that's been done there. And uh, our friend over at TSN, Scott Mitchell, actually heard from a source what he thinks the dimensions of the new field are going to be. And I'll put them up on screen here for you now if you haven't seen it. But basically, the foul lines are going to remain the same, 328 feet. Center field is going to move in about three feet from 400 to about 397. Left center field is going from 375 to 366. And the right center field alley, this is the big one, Riley. Right now it's at 375 feet. It's going down to what they say is 357. That could be a dramatic increase to offense at the Rogers Center. And honestly, our first thoughts here is it might turn Rogers Center back into one of the best offensive parks in baseball. So what are your thoughts on the stadium? Man? I mean, that's you say those numbers and uh, yeah. uh um, and to mention to you, so you think that the walls will be a bit taller as well, Correct. which I still, it's still, those are still boom box, boom box dimensions, no matter how you look at it. And, um, you know, not a lot, unless you got elite wheels, you're probably not going to hit a whole lot of triples unless it's down one of the right field line. I don't know, man. I like it. This is the American League East. A lot of home runs are hit. And I think that we have a team, you know, even adding the left-handed bats, maybe this will push Kiermaier. Maybe he'll have a 10 sure. home run season. Who, who knows, man? I mean, it's, it's cool. It'll be cool for us, Jesse, to go in and see what's going on. I can see, I see they're doing a lot more kind of like, I won't be using them personally, but like, we'll call them social <laughs> places, you know, places sure, yeah, to stand yeah, yeah. And, and, and talk and whatnot. But I mean, it's, it's cool. They're trying to maybe modernize the park. I personally loved the old dimensions of the Rogers center. I will probably, you know, walk into the stadium and love the new ones too. love the sport of baseball for the fact that it's not on, there's no regulation court size. I mean, it's just, it's kind of like, you know, what can you, what, well, how cool can we make the diamond? Obviously this is going to, in a way it makes us a little more unique. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I'm, Hey man, I'm all for that. And I mean, I think that'll probably play out in a neutral way anyways, but we do have a lot of guys who can hit, hit home runs and maybe those wall scrapers will turn into, you know, some short home runs for us. Yeah. I went through and I looked this up, Riley. Um, Matt Chapman alone last year had 14 baseballs that traveled 357 uh, feet that were not home runs. And I remember last year when we were doing our show, Riley, we were talking, hey, Matt Chapman hit another warning track fly ball. Oh, he did it again. He did it again. So maybe a few more of those go to home runs. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. alone had probably four or five or six balls that would have been home runs. In if this was the Rogers center field he had last year. And there were others too, other Blue Jays. And again, it's going to go both ways, though. Our pitchers might allow more home runs. Like, this isn't good for Jose Barrios, who allowed more home runs than anyone else in baseball last year, to come in and now have to pitch in a smaller park. But 
We'll see. And I'm sure there's going to be like some non-intended consequences that we're not even thinking about right now. Like maybe the air travels weird in there with a different fence or something. Who knows? And I guess we'll just have to wait and see when the season gets going. Yeah, I know who will probably, uh, you know, it won't affect maybe a guy like Chris Bassett who pitches the ball on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it'll add some different defensive metrics to a guy like Kevin Kiermeyer, who has played on, you know, every American League East diamond mm-hmm. many of times. And when you start to, you know, now he's playing in essentially a new ballpark for the outfielders. I mean, the infielders, you know, same old, same old we already made the move and you know the dirt now in the rogers center which made a move made i don't know how many years ago but anyways we got a new outfield configuration and yeah it's a new outfield for every player in major league baseball it's it's a new park i personally the more i talk about it now the more i kind of do look forward to seeing it kind of excited because i i love the aesthetic the, the aesthetics of almost an unsymmetrical park. I'm a guy who does like a little bit of symmetry, but there's something that's what part of the, the beauty of the game of baseball is ballpark dimensions. Jesse, you know, this it's a beautiful thing, man. Let's hope that, yeah, it doesn't play into effect in too many negatives, but you know what? Even if the opposition does hit, you know, a couple more home runs against us through the sea as the season goes out, I'm sure we're coming back with just one more than they are. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for. It's gonna have a new field of Rogers Center next year, which I think is long overdue and something we've all wanted for quite a while now here. Well, the Blue Jays, they also they made some certain Jacksons here. And although they are very unlikely to affect the 2023 team, these moves can affect the future of this team significantly. It was the international signing period Riley opened, and the Blue Jays signed 12 players to help fill out organizational roles. The big one, though, is outfielder Emmanuel Bonilla for a team record $4.1 million. So the Blue Jays must clearly like this guy. Um, MLB Pipeline had him rated as the seventh best offensive prospect in the game. He was on their top 50. He's 6'1", 180. He's only 17 years old, Riley. But a lot of scouts think like the power is real and his body is likely to fill out as he gets older and he can mash a fastball to all fields. The defense serviceable, but he kind of seems like your corner outfield power bat. And although he's a long way from the big leagues, the Blue Jays definitely like something in this guy and pay attention to prospects less years on because this guy's name might be on it. I love the international prospect signing periods because I feel like the Jays have also done a good job in the past at oh, yeah. it. So it's a good, it's a, it's a great way to uh, get players into the organization and get them into our system early. And yeah, 17 years old with like, you know, basically a, a man's body, you know, tr- maybe fill him out a little bit more, you know, left field can turn into first base pretty quickly for some sure, guys, yeah. depending on, you know, he's still got, he's still got a long ways to go. I mean, I don't see him Till I, I don't I can't imagine we'll see him for another seven years. You know, we're talking about him now just to bug your ear about him. <laughs> but um, I mean, c- certainly a move that helps out the future. And yep. that the signing bonuses are always cool. I mean, a, a Blue Jays record. I mean, you know what? Cross your fingers and hope that we see his name on a lineup card here, um, you know, in um, within the next decade for sure. Some notable names the Blue Jays have signed in their international free agent period. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was one of them. Now that might be the best of all time. Um, but like Orelvis Martinez, who's currently one of our top five prospects, has been one of these players. I know Lord Escuriel Jr. was one of these players as well. So the Blue Jays have struck gold on finding these players. And you got to give credit to your scouts to find these guys because one of these guys hits, one of these guys turns into like a Vladimir Guerrero Jr., which is a lot to ask for, of course. But if it does, then you're going to be set up success in future seasons. So good stuff there. 
Absolutely. Well, even if we don't get a Vlad Jr. ever, maybe ever again, I mean, it's still it's it's still good to add add to your organization from, you know, all facets of the games, draft, um, you know, uh, free agent signings in North America, you know, former MLB players, what have you. And then um, from the international pro- prospect pool, you know, that just uh, you got to be diverse and you got to take some chances on some guys. And let's hope this guy pays off in the future. I hope so. All right, Riley, let's get into the main subject of the episode here now. We're going to start getting critical about the Blue Jays' current players on the roster. We're going to go about through the 13 or so major impact players that we're going to see a lot of this season. We're going to go probably tell you what they did last year, what they're expected to do this year. Do we have a sinking feeling? Are one of these players going to boom? Are they going to break out? Are one of these players actually going to disappoint us? What's going on? So we'll go through and we'll kind of talk about all of them as we go here and kind of give our thoughts and lay our groundwork for how we get a feel on the players on this roster. Riley, you ready to go? Yeah, man, let's uh, wing this. So, well, mind you, starting off our, you know, f- for birthday episode, we'll call it a little late, a couple yeah, days, yeah, yeah. but the same, same way we started it, mm-hmm. talking about position players. Love it. Well, let's start behind the plate. And Riley, the first guy we're going to talk about is a very interesting one, a guy who was in trade talks all offseason, a guy who didn't end up trading. And that's Alejandro Kirk, Riley, who was awesome last year. He had 285, 14 home runs, a WRC plus of 129, and a three and a half war season for Alejandro Kirk behind the plate. He was quite good. He'll be entering his age 24 season this year. So he's still young, still can see some room for development and his pros. We know what Alejandro Kirk does. His bat to ball skills are incredible. He rarely strikes out. He's in the 92nd percentile and expected batting average expected. Woba was top 85 and he led all major league catchers in batting average and OBP. So like great stuff right from the start from what Alejandro Kirk did there. And plus, his framing's been good. I bet you he's going to be the guy who's going to catch Alec Manoa, Kevin Gosman. And I, I guess he's probably Chris Bassett's guy too, if he can handle up the wear and tear from behind the plate. So Riley, although you have the first word here, Alejandro Kirk, better this year, worse this year. What are your thoughts? I think it's going to be right around average. One thing, one thing I love about Kirk, and it's it's a rare feat for players, you know, to accomplish. And all, I mean, the best at it was probably Tony Gwynn, and that was the strikeout to mm-hmm. walk ratio. Now, Alejandro Kirk just came off a year where he struck out fifty eight times and walked sixty three times. Yeah. I mean, right off the Which is right amazing. off the bat, in in one hundred and thirty nine games, that is amazing. You want to talk about bat the ball skills? That is when you when you say what is his best tool. Alejandro Kirk's best tool is his ability to put bat on ball. I mean, the power disappeared a little bit last year, Jesse. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. There was a you know there was a you know kind of a power outage for a mm-hmm. bit. He still finished yep. the year with four, fourteen home runs. I think it's probably right around those same numbers. And I totally agree with any baseball site that has him in the top one whatever for batting averages on base percentages. I think he follows it up. If he's not first, he's certainly in the top three come 20. uh, You know, when we look back at the 2023 year, I'm sure he's going to be in the top three for the averages, the on base, everything like that for, you know, getting bad on ball and getting hits. Do you remember when we were watching Alejandro Kirk last year, we were saying for the whole first month, March and April, remember he was hitting 245. He didn't have a single extra base hit the whole month of April. Like that's bad for a guy. His WRC uh, plus that month was 72. He was terrible. He was not a good major league hitter. Now, maybe he just needed some reps and got his work in because this next month in May, he had 347 with three home runs. June was even better. His month of June was amazing. One of the best months a catcher's had probably in franchise history, to be honest. He had 341, seven home runs, 211 WRC plus, punched his ticket to the all-star game. Alejandro Kirk was awesome. But in the second half that year, Riley, he kind of, you know, he kind of 
repressed down a little bit. July, he only hit 291 with only two home runs. August was even worse, 241, only one home run the whole month. And in September, he was worse than that, 242 with only one home run a month. So does the second half slide worry you at all for a guy like Alejandro Kirk, or do you think it's more of the big picture from a season? I think big picture, man. When I think of baseball, I think obviously 162 games, and you're going to have months where you're on big slumps. Now, mind you, Kirk went through probably, if you look back, it might be more of a more fluctuative season. I don't know if that's a word. Fluctuating uh, season compared to month to month statistics. I mean, the fact that he got half his home runs in a single month and didn't have an extra base hit for it seemed like a thousand plate appearances. Um, I mean, I think. I think that then probably this upcoming year with Kirk, um, you're, you're going to see a lot of the same, just probably more closer together. I mean, uh, if he he's not going to go, you know, a ton of series without maybe, a, a, you know, I'll say I'll say a double. I mean, I still don't think that he's due for a ton of extra base hits. His game is is base hits. And I mean, if he gets the occasional extra base hit, I think that's great. Obviously for the the big numbers, like your slugging, your OPS and your mm-hmm. WRC plus, I think that naturally his numbers are just going to fall into the lower categories. But at the end of the day, the statistics with his batting averages on base percentages will always be close to the top of the chart for all major league catchers. And I think you're right. I think he's going to be in a good place. And you can make the argument too, Riley, that maybe he just wore down a lot, right? Because he was coming off the COVID shortened year where, and he was coming off the year before where he didn't play that much. Right. So maybe this was just, Hey, Kirk, you got to catch all the time. And I think maybe the addition of Brandon belt now means Kirk won't have to DH as much. He won't spend as much time behind the plate. And maybe his numbers will increase because of that. If he's playing in smaller sample sizes. So Steamer projects him, Riley, for a line of 281, 18 home runs, and a 141 WRC+. plus. That's a big number. Riley, where do you fall? Is it going to be better than that or worse than that, or is that line just right? I, I, I think that I still think he doesn't hit 18 home runs. I do. Whether Kirk has the potential to be a 20 home run catcher, I don't know. Maybe the shortened um, porch is out there. If he hits, he's a good line drive hitter. And if he can get one over that short wall and right center, who knows? Um, I, I have him personally around 15 home runs, a 285 batting oh, yeah. average. W, WRC plus around 130 would be, I mean, would be great. But don't get me wrong. If it is lower than that, it's still not the end of the world. I, I think that you're going to, like I said, his power statistics aren't, you know, are probably going to be right around the same. I still think one of the his best stat, if he finishes next year with more walks than strikeouts, mm-hmm. that would be, that would be amazing. And again, I never expect that for any major league player. I don't care who you are. You're more often than not by a lot going to strike out more than you're going to walk. So, I mean, if Kirk rep- Pete's that feat. I mean, that'll be just amazing. So I think you're right. We threw it up to our fans on Twitter and we asked the same question, Riley. 27% of them thought Kirk was going to have a better line. 29.7 thought worse and 43.2 think that line is just right. I think I'm kind of on the side. It's going to be slightly worse, but I'm making the same damn things you said there. I think it's going to be very similar. The power is going to come down. He's still going to be good. Just maybe not this good as he showed this year. And, and and of course, if he makes the improvements, um, you know, tweaks it, uh, he's gotten a lot better defensively. And if those yes, are implemented, yes. this, and if those are implemented this year, Jesse, 
then who cares? He's still one of the best catchers in Major League Baseball. All right. Well, the good news is these Blue Jays have other options behind the plate. And let's go on to this guy, which is kind of quickly becoming one of my favorite Blue Jays on the team. And that's Danny Jansen. And he is entering his age 28 season. Last year, Riley, 260, 15 home runs and a WRC plus of 140. And that was 2.6 war. And that was with him missing some time on the injured list last year. And Riley, the big pros for Danny Jansen, the bat is finally coming around here coming off a strong second half in 2021 he put together a very nice offensive season last year and he was very very good at attacking the fastball which i thought was wild or thought was great he hit over 300 on the fastball slugged over 600 against it and his average exit velocity hard hit percentage barrel percentage were all the highest of his career and in fact his wrc plus of 140 was the best for all mlb catchers in 2022 with a minimum of 200 at bat so seems to be some good stuff here from danny jansen what's your expectations I mean, Danny Jansen, I feel so, I, I'm so glad we have Alejandro Kirk. Don't get me wrong, but I almost feel so bad for Danny Jansen that he does not have a, a full on starters role as a major league catcher. This guy really put it together last year. I was so disappointed, not in him, just that it happened, that he faced that injury, finished the year with, yeah. I can't believe it, a career high 15 home runs. I mean, yeah. this guy's on, this guy's only played 100 games once. He played 107 games in 2019. This guy has has been in the major leagues, but he has not, not He, I mean, last year he played 72 games, and that was his second highest amount of games. And he still hit, he still hit 15 home runs in 215 at-bats. I mean, that's pretty good numbers for a guy Guy who's supposedly maybe our backup catcher or, or splitting time in a lot of different ways. I mean, Danny Jansen brings to the table still above average defensive metrics. Mm-hmm. And I mean, wh- I still under, I mean, you know, finally the rest of the MLB and the people in the States are catching on that Danny Jansen is a great power hitter. And he, I still think he's underrated as far as his bat goes. If you give this guy the at bat, He's going to put balls into the seats. Now, not necessarily a high batting average. This is almost, you know, the opposite of Kirk in a way. Same kind of deal behind the plate. Still going to give you above average innings behind the plate. But guy who maybe will give you some different um, attributes and traits from uh, his plate appearances than Kirk. Danny Jansen really took the uh, Marcus Semyon approach to hitting for that one season he was here. Like Marcus Semyon was always really good as catch the ball up front, hit it to your pole side, hit it in the air. You will get more. Like Marcus Semyon hit 48 home runs for us that year. Danny Jansen kind of bought into that mentality and started doing that. And I don't think it's an accident. You've now saw his home run rate, you know, climb to where it was the best in his career. There are some cons. If you look into his game, though, his line drive rate wasn't that good. And he does hit a lot of pop-ups. So that could lead to a low batting average. So you're never going to see maybe a 270, 280 hitter out of Danny Jansen. So you might have to live with the 220s, 230s thing with the power he gets. And another thing, too, is he only had two hits on the curveball all last year. That was it. He hit, like, I think it was 095 on the curveball last year. And both of his hits, Riley, were just little ground balls that got in between the shortstop and the third baseman. So maybe pitchers start to realize this and maybe that's a way they can attack Danny Jansen. But, you know, until we see it, he's still going to be really good. And the pop time, Riley, was one thing I noticed too from Danny Jansen's game. He was the ninth best in baseball in 2021 and he went to 38th in 2022. So the arm might not be, you know, it's still good, but it's not maybe elite as it once was for Danny Jansen. So maybe just things to watch going forward. Well, even if the uh, the defensive numbers are maybe even digressing a little bit, he's still not the worst option to have as a designated hitter, especially mm-hmm. for this year's club. Um, but yeah, he's obviously going to get innings behind the plate, um, and he's going to he's going to probably you know basically unless he 
you know, last year he got injured, but he's probably going to get the same amount of usage, we'll call it, and maybe maybe more if Kirk does need that little extra break. I think with what's going to happen now, we're not a brand new team, but John Schneider taking over, you know, kind of with an already piloted plane. Now we've landed, we've kind of reassessed, we've got a new crew. Um, now we're taking off, and I mean, if, if something goes on, I mean, we could see him possibly favor one catcher over the other. Now, not necessarily benching Kirk for a long time, but using them more interchangeably than yeah, playing Kirk, more Kirk, the hot Kirk hand, Jansen. right? Like yeah, I mean, hey, yeah. you got you to gotta play the guys that are hitting the ball and hitting the ball well. And J Danny Jansen went on some great streaks last year. Absolutely. And I think if his bat's hot, it's almost impossible to take it out of the lineup. Well, Steamer projects him to hit 238 next year, 21 home runs, which would be a career high for Danny Jansen and a WRC plus of 119 or better. So, Riley, is that line just right, or do you think he's going to be better or worse going into next year? I've got to say that's right. I'm going to say that's right along the lines of just right. If he can hit, if he can hit 20 home runs, I will totally celebrate that. Danny Jansen is a guy who's still, he's not going to get the games from behind the dish because of Alejandro Kirk. If you sent this guy to a basement club and he had the innings, I believe that this guy could have 25 home runs. Yes, the batting average wouldn't be that year, but a guy who would slug in the middle of your lineup. For us, he's a guy who's probably going to hit about sixth or seventh in the lineup more mm -hmm. often than not. And I still think that he's going to have very quality numbers for Danny Jansen. Now, like you said, he probably expects somewhere around a 230 average. If he hovers around a 300 on base percentage, I would I would be happy with that. Um, anything lower is kind of less acceptable. I mean, 300 on base is probably the the bottom of my barrel. With, right? Yeah. I mean, but you know, we're talking about a guy with some good pop, but his bad. I mean, and not everyone can have it all, especially when we got you know we got Kirk and we got Jansen. These are guys who do two different things. Well, our Twitter, our followers on Twitter are drinking the Kool Aid. A lot of them think better things from Danny Jansen here. 61.6 percent thought it would be better. 14.7 thought it would be a little worse, which I can see their arguments here. And 23.5 think it's going to be just about right. So I think Jays fans are kind of with us. We're expecting some nice offensive punch from Danny Jansen this year. But let's move on to our big superstar, Riley, our first baseman, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He is now entering his age 24 season. Last year, kind of looked a little step down from his MVP year, but still quite good. Hit 274, 32 home runs, 132 WRC plus, and 2.8 war in 2022. I don't need to tell you how good of a player Vladimir Guerrero could be. No one in the game has more offensive upside than this player. He's an exit velocity machine, hits it hard, and he's been durable over the last three years. So, Riley, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think this team is only going to go as far as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. can take us. And there were stretches last year where he wasn't doing that. So what do we think of him this year and how good can he be? I think that we're probably going to look at 2023. Um, you know, if we go back on his page, we'll maybe even skip over 2022 as far as, you know, that might be looking. I think we basically I think we look back at his 2021 season and see that it more resembles this season. Okay. I think so I MVP think that level guys coming back. Right? I, I hey, if he finishes in a top five for MVP voting, that would be exceptional. I'm not saying okay. that this is going to be an MVP. There's all, listen, there's always the chance. Sure. I, I think from here on till 2038 or whenever. Ever. On opening day, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a chance to be an MVP that season. I think that we're going to see something closer to 48 home runs. Now, is he going to hit 48? I'm not saying that he is, but I definitely think he's going to hit more than 32 home runs. I mean, he did have 35 doubles. 
I still think he hits around 30 doubles. I just think there's more hits in general. One thing I would love to see out of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is last year his walks were really down compared to his 2021 campaign. I would really... I'm an on-base guy. I love to, when guys get on base because, you know, Vlad, we only go as far as Vlad takes us. That's true to an extent, but we have a lot of other good pieces in this lineup. And if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gets on base, he's not a terrible base runner. He does possess a little bit of speed for a body and first baseman of, you know, of his caliber. I mean, you know, I would like to I w- basically I would like to see the walks driven up and the home runs driven up for sure. On the defensive side of the ball, I mean. Gold glove winner, Jesse. Sure. What yeah. else can you say? Yeah, I mean, the numbers don't look great on defense, but you, he passes the eye test all the time yeah. with the plays he makes uh, playing first base there. Riley, the, the thing about Vlad here is, like, the ground ball rate is way too high. Like, I think pitchers actually knew if you pitch Vladdy low in the zone and you hit your spots, like, you can get him out, right? And I think that 2021 season when his walk rate was higher is, like, he was crushing everything. It didn't matter where you pitch Vladdy. He was hitting you, and he was hitting you hard. So I think pitchers got scared of him, and then they knew, well, we got to throw it more out of the zone, which caused his walk rate to rise. I think last year, pitchers kind of figured out there is a spot to attack Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So I think this year, Vladdy needs to make the adjustment here and start hammering that pitch low in the zone in order for him to really be a successful hitter this year to get to that MVP levels that we think he can get to. I mean, at the plate, that would be my only real gripe is that he's he he does he hits the ball extremely hard but it's extremely hard into the left side of the diamond where your best defenders are playing the infield anyways and it's probably a ground out what surprised me i just checked that he only had 11 grounded into double plays which i i did look around the league because that was a stat that has always jumped out yep at me and i thought it would be higher but I mean, 11 isn't that bad, but Hey man, let's just, I basically Jesse. Yeah. If we could change the launch angle um, on, on his baseball's hit, you're going to see a lot, a lot more home runs, man. Like I said, closer to that 48 than the 32. So I had three points. I wanted to bring up one was his walk rate. So you are a little concerned that his walk rate did decrease 4% in 2022, right? You want to see that number rebound next year? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's very important to Vlad's game. Okay, the next one then. Does this worry you, Riley? In his MVP 2021 season, he was plus 11 run value in hitting the slider. So he crushed sliders in 2021 when teams would throw it into him. Last year in 2022, it was minus two. So it wasn't that good at hitting the slider. Do you think that's a problem? Do you think that's a change in approach? Or are you feel like it's going to come back to normal next year. I I mean, if it doesn't, it's definitely, you see more and more major league pitchers incorporate a slider and a good slider at that into their repertoire of pitches. This, that's a whole, we could have a whole episode on pitch selection. And sure. the number one, the number one pitch coming into 2023 will be a slider. And there are a lot of good major league ball, ball players, pitchers that, that throw a very good and effective slider. So yeah, if that doesn't change, um, uh, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s approach, if he doesn't make adjustments to that, then yeah, I mean, you won't see much progression. It'll be a lot of hard driven fastballs, but yeah, absolutely. And if Vlad wants to, you know, that could go with increasing walks, chase rates, things yep. like that. Only hit, only hit the rec. If you recognize a slider and you see it coming at you, you know, roll your hands, turn your hands over, turn the hips yeah, get and, out in front and of anchor it, right? down the Get out in front of it, man. Hey, I'm not a hitting coach by any means, but Vlad could make a few adjustments. I don't I don't think he's gonna struggle too hard against the slider, but um I, I still think that he is going to have a better offensive year and better plate appearances than he did in the twenty twenty two campaign. So this kind of goes hand in hand with the last one here, though. His swing percentage on pitches out of the zone 
rose from 25% to over 30% last year. So he was swinging and while missing at more pitches out of the zone, which isn't how you're going to do damage. So again, that probably goes with the sliders, goes with this decreased walk rate. They're all kind of correlated here, but we want to see that number improve too, because Vladdy, you're so good. Just swing at the pitches you know you can do damage with, and you're going to be great. I mean, he's definitely a guy that's, you know, more often than not pitched around anyways. There's always a fear in the pitcher when, when he when he steps into the batter's box. I mean, maybe switch up the guy you're hitting in the cage with, with maybe give up a session with Bo and um, go with a, someone else. I don't know. Whatever whatever changes he makes to his game um, in the spring will have a lot of effect on how he starts the year. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. This is a guy who I would consider to be our franchise player right now. Mm-hmm. And if he has if he has a year like he did last year, I mean, we're probably going to have the same amount of team wins and maybe close to the same final result. But I think with the team we've put behind him and, and surrounded him with, I think that if he plays closer to his 2021, you know, MVP runner up here that, you know, we could go a lot farther in baseball with um, with those kind of results. Most projection systems too have him as a top five to 10 player in all the games. So and their steamer projection is going to have him right in line with that, Riley. 292, 39 home runs, a 161 WRC plus, which would be awesome if we can get that out of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this year. What do you think, Riley? Better, worse, or is that line just right? Oh, I I think I think it's pretty close. If anything, though, I will say for the sake of it being Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I will say that it could possibly be better for sure. Nice. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, not a ton better. I mean, but it's going it's to be line. it's going it's to be line. better. That's hey. Anytime you're talking numbers like that, Jesse, I don't. Yeah. You know, those are still those are still very impressive. Like you said, top five to ten player in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. But like I said, he always has a chance to go out there and be the best player in Major League Baseball. And I think that you know that was that was proved. In um in his first full you know well the, his 2021 season he he proved that he he is an elite ball player slowed down a little bit but hey I think he goes out and has a closer campaign to what he did two years ago. Well, if 2021 was the trailer and 2022 was the movie, this one's going to be the sequel, and let's hope it's one of those movies where the sequel is a little better than the original one here. Um, our Twitter followers they agree with you, Riley. 40.6 think he's going to be better than this line. 18.8 thinks worse, and another 40.6 think the line is just right. So it seems like big things coming for Mr. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going into the 2023 season. Riley, anything to add before we move on to the next guy? I mean, no, it's 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 Vlad Jr. I mean, I just yeah. want to say again, I know you said that, um, you know, the defensive stats aren't there, but I still think we see the same defensively from Vlad. Maybe if even even I don't really care about the gold glove at first base. It's one of the more I won't say useful because it's still a great award. But I mean, the fact that he's doing doing a lot right in his short time in Major League Baseball, hey man, just a good ball player. And I really look forward to what he does this year. All right, moving around the diamond now, we got a backup for Vlad at first base now, and that's Brandon Belt. We spent a lot of time, our just most recent episode, talking about the Brandon Belt uh, acquisition. So if you want more further details on that, go back and listen to that. But we'll give you kind of the Coles Notes version here. He's entering his age 35 season last year, 213 with only eight home runs and a 96 WRC plus in 2022. But we talked about it before. He was one of the best hitters in baseball for 2020 through the first half of 2022. Left-handed, which helps the lineup. A good leadership guy. We've heard nothing but good things from San Francisco saying things. And he draws walks well to go along with the power. So, Riley, really quick, expectations for Brandon Belt this year. 
I mean, he's he's going to be a guy who gets probably more time at the DH spot than anything. You could still yep. see him at first base. But yeah, abs- absolutely um, killing it. I mean, not maybe killing it, but he's done well as a MLB veteran. You usually see maybe some guys of his caliber slide around the age 30 season. I mean... I still th- I still think we get double digit home runs out of him anywhere, you know, 15 home runs let's say give or take plus three or four to that. And if he hits again, if he hits 20 home runs, he has had an impressive season. A WRC plus around 115 would be almost be out of this it's, I, I, I mean, it's not out of this world. But when you're talking about what Vladdy can probably put up from the first base spot and maybe what Danny Jansen is doing from the right side of the plate and throw Brandon Belt in the equation as a guy to face right-handed pitching, I mean, mm-hmm. you've set yourself up for success that way. Brandon Belt is, a, the you know, and the more we talk about this guy, I like him anyways, longtime San Francisco Giant. He's won two World Series championships. This guy know what it takes to win. He's viewed mm-hmm. as a leader. Mm-hmm. This is a very important guy on this team. And he, and you know, more, more people, probably more people than they do probably don't know like what he brings because not a lot of people have played with this guy, but I hope that right. he fits in well and shows up and is a leader. Cause I still think he's got, I still think he's got what it takes to hit at the major league level. Obviously he's doing better in his, his, you know, for his power as he almost ages like wine and, I'm excited to see what he does for us, man, especially in a easy, not an easier park to hit. Oh, certainly easier than hitting in, um, San, in San Francisco's right? park. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he's now he's going to an AL East uh, ball diamond. So, yeah, absolutely. My only concern here with Brandon Belt is, well, I guess I have two concerns. One is that he is first base or DH only. So there's not much positional versatility there, right? And he's just coming off that major injury. So we have to, like, take the caveat and see how are you going to perform off that. And looking at the data, Riley, he's actually really struggled catching up to the fastball lately, which is usually, like, when a player is aging, that's one of the first things that go. They struggle catching up to that fastball. And let's not forget, Riley, the Blue Jays faced more high velocity than any team in baseball last year. So... That doesn't seem like a recipe for success here, but he still mashes the sinker well. He still mashes the curveball well. So we will see. I think there's a huge range of variance here with Brandon Belt. He could either be really good, get that 115 WRC plus, maybe even flirt with 20 home runs, or he could be a guy who only hits like six or seven, hits around the Mendoza line, and is really struggling for this team this year. So big range of outcomes here, Riley. The projections, 222, 14 home runs, a 111 WRC plus. Where do you fall on that line for this year with Brandon Belt? I mean, I'm going to say I'm going to say right on the same line to the exception that I don't think he hits in the 220 range. I want to bump that up almost significantly to around a 245 255 um, batting average there. Other than that, I'm right with you on the WRC plus in the power numbers as well. But um, absolutely um, don't think that this guy's going to I think this guy's going to benefit from the banning of the shift. I think that he's going to hit a lot of balls hard into right field, and those are going to land as base hits. Mm-hmm. And again, I think like, you know, 15, 16, 17 home runs, something along those lines will not be unheard of. And I think that's probably what is, uh, you know, health depending, knock on wood, uh, that's probably what his final line to complete the year will look like.
All right, moving on to our second base platoon here. Oh, sorry, let's get our Twitter poll up there first. Um, 40.6 people thought it would be better. 9.4 thought it was worse, and about 50% thought the line was going to be just right. So we're all kind of thinking the same things about Brandon Belt right there. But now we can move on to our second base, and let's start with Whit Merrifield, who's now entering his age 34 season. Riley hit 250 with 11 home runs and an 88 WRC plus last year. The pros, though, we've talked about it. He's a Rays killer. OPS of over 1,000 at the Trop with five home runs in 15 games there. I think the Blue Jays like his versatility. Remember, he did just win a gold glove at the utility position, which is new and they created. So he's good there. He was used at six different positions last year, and he's been an Ironman guy in his career. And he's just one season removed from a 40 stolen base season. But the cons, Riley, the bat has fallen off a cliff. The barrel rate, hard hit percentage, exit velocity numbers are all in the bottom 20% of the league. Line drive rate plummeted to a career low in 2022. And Riley, what are your thoughts? Is there any chance this guy bounces back to like his 2019 through 2021 levels, or is he kind of just over the hill now i mean when you talk about uh whit merrifield this is a guy who for a three 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 year four year span i want to say give or take um was was dominant um at the position of second base for the kansas city royals this is a guy who has led led categories led the categories of stolen bases who's led the league in triples who's led the league in doubles this guy this guy is is great when he hits the ball he when he keeps the ball into the ballpark he gets a single. He has a chance to steal a base, and then if you know if it passes an outfielder, it takes a good bounce um, on the turf or whatever. Then he's got a chance to leg it out in, into extra bases. Um, do I think that you know the better part of his, his career is over? Absolutely. I don't think you're going to resurrect something like his 2019 season. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you know. Right, right. I mean, this is a new this is a new time uh, for for wit, and you know what I. I personally, I would like to see him used at second base more often than the not this year. I don't know what the route is, whether we're going to even start opening day with our three guys. I still think that we do like the versatility. Our front office likes that versatility. And we're going to use Whit Merrifield in different spots as well as our other two guys. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I personally don't think that his career is over by any means, but I don't think he's going to be back to the level of what, and the all-star caliber player he was, you know, just a short time ago. Yeah, it's going to be tough. He's probably going to be taking more like the Lord Escuriel role on this team. The guy who's going to play like some right field if George Springer needs a DH day, which I'd expect he'll need quite a bit of this year. He's probably going to be up there. Riley, do you take anything into the fact that when he got traded to Toronto, he actually sat on the bench for the first little while, and that was the first time in his career because he's used to being an everyday roll him out there type of guy. And when he was getting more playing time towards the end of the season, he actually did form a little better. Do you think there's more of that into him there, or do you think it's just noise? I, I actually didn't like that he sat on the bench for us. I won't lie to you. Um, and his numbers did improve um, when he got traded from KC to Toronto. His numbers his numbers for the year actually averaged out a bit nicer when he did come to Toronto. When we used him, aside from you know his power numbers being virtually i mean invisible i mean he still did he still did things right on the diamond i still like his speed i still like his versatility and i think that as a replacement level guy he was once an all-star i don't think we're going to redeem that and get that back out of him but i do think that he is an above average war player all right yeah his projections 259 10 home runs 97 wrc plus where do you fall on that I mean, that's such, I mean, it's not a hundred, but 97, I still think it's great. I would have had him at the low nineties personally. Um, but 
And hey, with the bigger bases, I'd like to add something like he, you know, last year, it seems like he didn't have the steals that he did. I don't think, Jesse, that he steals. You know, I, I personally, I'll just throw the number out. He's not going to steal 40. He's not even going to steal 30. I have him for something around 15 to 20 bags this year. I think that would be great. If, if he could demonstrate that he still has foot speed, I think that'll keep him, keep him in the major leagues for a bit, a bit longer than, than what path he's currently going down. Yeah, 16 last year, coming off of 40 the season before. Now, I do think stolen bases in general will be up. A lot of projections have him for about 19 stolen bases this year, which I think right on line of where we think he's going to be. Our Twitter poll, 50% think he's going to have a better year, 12.5 thinks worse, and 37.5 think that's right on the nose. Not much more to add on Whit Merrifield. We've got other guys to talk about here, and uh, including this guy, Kevin Biggio, who very interesting career that Kevin Biggio has had with the Toronto Blue Jays so far. He's entering his age 28 season. Last year, Riley hit just over the Mendoza line, 202, six home runs, and another 97 WRC+. plus, 1.3 war, though. The pros, we've talked about it. He's always been very selective at the plate. He doesn't chase much, and he draws walks at a good rate. And he's a very good defender. 94th percentile in outs above average and 82nd percentile in sprint speed. He may be the best base runner on the Toronto Blue Jays, which is saying something, right? I th- that kind of surprised me when I saw that. And he hits best against pitches that move up and down on the zone. And Biggio really struggles against the pitches that kind of move side to side. So maybe against a good right-handed like fastball changeup guy, we can get Biggio in there. That might be his spots. But yeah, quick thought on Kevin Biggio this season. I I mean, obviously, when he entered the league, the big thing with him is his his re- ability to recognize the ball out of the hand mm-hmm. and his plate dis- d- discipline. He would have had tremendous, uh, you know, vision and pet- pitch recognition in, you know, in the minor leagues. And then he did have he did have 71 walks in his rookie campaign and he, he never he never touched 50 walks again. So yeah. for that, for that, for his big tool you know, maybe to come back into play would be if if anything that would that would be huge for Biggio because I mean with this lineup with the guys that can put balls into the seats and hit for extra bases and Biggio maybe not looking like that guy. I still think a low batting average is coming out of Cavan this year. There's no doubt about that. Shift or not, I just you know. I think that, you know, if we're going to do this, uh, you know, look back four years, I think the ceiling has slowly went down month by month on Mm -hmm. Mr. Biggio. And um, I mean, yeah, a guy guy who's not going to give you, you know, 100 WRC plus. I know you said he had 99, which I still find 97, something along those lines, which I still almost find surprising because at times, you know, it seemed like his bat just wasn't he you know it just wasn't there for us his approach in theory sounds great right like don't swing at the pitches that are on the corners on the edge wait until you get your meatball your pitch right down the middle because those are the pitches you can do the most damage with right but when Biggio is getting those pitches he's taking them far too often and when he is swinging at them he just doesn't have the exit velocity or the power off the bat to really punish that so I don't think the power ceiling's ever going to be there for Kevin Biggio you know he seems like a good bench guy and that's probably where he's going to end up on this team uh steamer projections 219 500 home runs 105 WRC plus, which surprised me. Maybe they think that walk rate is going to be a little higher, Um, but Riley, where do you stand better or worse this year? Did we lose you? Are you frozen? Oh, there we go. Riley better or worse. Yeah, I can hear you, Jesse. No, I, I honestly, I, I think that um, they're, they're worse to around the same, but not, but not by much, man. It's just, I, 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 my Toronto blue Jays, as as the years have gone on, you know, has gotten less on the Biggio trade, and it sucks. Obviously, I love the son of a former major league ball player. Um, Three thousand hits, Craig, Cavan, um, nowhere like near the caliber of ball player. 
And I just don't think he has, don't think he has the plate recognition like he had on, on lower quality pitching. And yeah, Jesse, I'm going to have to say just a touch, just a touch worth it. Again, these, these projections are, are, you know, basically scientifically proven and, you know, in some way, shape sure. or form, but they're not always going to be hundred percent accurate. No, of course not. And, and the, 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 the sad thing is that, I mean, as, as low as those numbers already are, that I still think he's going to maybe finish with worse numbers. And in that goes in the batting average, mostly the batting average. And still, it would be nice to see the on base up and the ability to draw more walks. But again, unless we see a lot in spring training, I don't know what's going to happen with him even as this year goes on. Mm-hmm. Well, our Twitter fans think 36.4% think it'll be better, 27.3% worse, and 364 think the line is just right. Riley, we got a lot more players to get to in about 15 minutes to do it so let's power through these next guys the next one riley santiago espinal he's entering his age 28 season he had 267 seven home runs a wrc plus a 99 and 2.3 war he was good in the first half made the all-star team good defensive infielder his arm isn't the best but his range is good he's able to get there he doesn't strike out much and can put the bat on ball quite well but his exit velocity numbers are never going to be there um he was never going to be much of a home run threat he struggled mightily against sliders last year hit just 170 off them and yeah, I don't have a lot else to add on Santiago Espinal. Good guy, good character, dude. What do you got? Don't see him hitting ten home runs. Yeah, if he either. got if 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 he if he got a, if he finished with a two seventy five batting average, I'd be super happy with that. Do I see that happening? I see him finishing with ten or fifteen points less. Maybe two sixty two sixty five would be nice yeah. as well. And um, a guy not, not, doesn't steal a ton of bases, but it's still for a guy who's on the fringe of that could be a possible base stealer. I mean, he had six last year. Maybe that number could be 10. Yep. I still think that might be a stretch, but we will see. Um, I, he was an all-star, had a great first half, kind of fell off in the second half. I don't think he repeats the all-star first half he does. But I, and I and I think that his numbers are probably going to slide a little bit as um you know from last year just 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 a hair. I mean he started off real hot, then went cold. Maybe we're at more a uh, more neutral temperature um throughout the whole season for Espinal. Yes, Steamer projects two sixty eight, eight home runs, one hundred six WRC plus. Where do you fall on that? I mean, yeah, right. That's that sound that that checks out. That's a very that's a very close represents representation of what I think his campaign is going to be like. And our Twitter followers think the same thing. Better. Twenty five point eight percent worse. Twenty five point eight percent. And then just shy of 50 percent. Forty eight point four. I think the line is just right. Now, moving over to our shortstop, we talked. We started the show talking about Bo Bichette and what he can do, but let's talk about him a little more here. He's entering his age 25 season. At the end of the season, Riley, his numbers looked exactly where they should have been. 290, 24 home runs, 129 WRC+, plus, four and a half war season. He's an elite hitter, man. He spreads the ball to all parts of the field. He hits it with authority. He crushes off-speed pitches. Change-up and sliders really being the two big ones. Bo Bichette hits really well. There's still... He leaves you a little more desired, though, because you still feel like there could be some more in his bat. He feels like he's a few small tweaks away from being this absolute monster of a of a hitter from Bo Bichette. Like, some talent that not many people have. And he does swing and miss at a lot of pitches. Like, he finds he's down 0-1 a lot more than he's up 1-0. And if you look at the numbers, Bo Bichette is significantly better. Uh, so are other players across baseball. But when he gets ahead in the count 1-0, Bo Bichette does so much more damage. So... What do you think, Riley? What are your expectations for the big guy here this year? 
I mean, obviously the discussion has been an ongoing thing, and that's how he approaches his his plate appearances. And obviously recognizing a slider in the other batter's box kind of deal. Like, I don't think we're going to get as many ridiculous swings, but they, I mean, it's definitely not not out of the question that he does do that the odd time. And he's, a, he's an aggressive hitter. He's going to put the ball in play. He struck out 155 times last year, which is, I mean, that's a big number. I didn't think that he was going to strike out that much. Mm-hmm. He's not going to draw his walks. He did have a career career high with by one. He, hit, he had 40 walks in, in 2021, and he had 41 walks last year. I think that's part of the course. I think he you know strikes out a little bit less. But the big thing here, Jesse, is that he he finished with 29 home runs two seasons ago. And I think if you hit 29 home runs, if you hit 27 home runs, you have the chance to hit 30 home runs. Yep. Is this going to be the year that we see Bo Bichette have 30 home runs? I absolutely think so. With the with the changes being made to this ballpark, I think this is all in Bo Bichette's favor. I hope this, whatever we were talking about with this arbitration, hope this drives him to be a better ball player. And he makes, you know, I, I, like you said, the smallest of adjustments to, to add yeah, that to could be a monster game. there. And he has a chance to repeat as he has a chance to repeat as, as three years in a row to lead the American League in hits, which is always a great number. I mean, not 200 hits. He was off by nine in 2021. He was off by 11 last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, all things are kind of clicking for Bo. It's just that one one little tweak in his game. And he's on this. He's just below Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and in the players in Major League Baseball. Man, Bo is so close on the offensive side of the ball. Riley, I have three things on Bo Bichette, and I'm going to ask you if any of these things worry you from looking at the data from Bo Bichette. His rookie year, Riley, he was 83rd percentile in sprint speed. Uh, the next year, the COVID year, he was 70th percentile to 74 two years ago, and then to 54. Bo Bichette is just getting slower at the age of 24. Does that worry you at all? I and absolutely it does. You want to, I mean, speed and athleticism kind of go hand in hand a little mm-hmm. bit. I was looking at that 13 steals last year. So we're probably not going to see, you know, a t- ton more stealing bases. And usually it does. It's not a stat that fluctuates. Usually when you start to go down in speed, it stays there. I mean, so if Bobachet's lost the, the, the sprint speed, I mean, that's not, that's not great. That's not ideal. But I still think that there's a lot of other categories that put him in the elitist category. I'm not not that concerned that that his uh, sprint speed numbers are down, but it just kind of it takes away from his speed aspect. He still has a lot of other tools to make him a good ball player. This seems weird. 24 years of age, you just suddenly get slower at that age. I don't know. It seems weird to me. But um, another one, Riley, his line drive weight was the lowest in his career last year. Does that bother you at all? Um, yeah, a little bit because we see what he can do when he lines the ball. But um, again, um, if if it's uh, if we make the right adjustments as a team and our in our approaches and our swings, that Bo could, you know, Bo has a chance to hit thirty home runs. And I mean, he's not going to have huge moonshots. A lot of line drives, home runs. He can put the ball the other way, like the best of them. I mean, he we saw him start to pull the ball a lot more. There was a lot of good things we saw in Bo's game last year, and I think that it's probably gonna. I mean, I'm not saying he's gonna have. Uh, he's gonna have a whole year like he did last last month of the year last year but he's gonna do some real good things for I just sure want to see it doesn't really concern oh, me i just want to see him take that fastball pull it crush it to your pull side boba it's in there i want to see it um steamer projects riley 281 26 home runs 129 wrc plus where do you think he falls on that up 
send them up for me, man. That's uh, just just a touch more. Again, I got a lot of big, big things, man. I want to see him in a 230, uh, sorry, two, like a 135, 140 WRC plus for Boba Chef for me would be outstanding. I think he has it in him, man. I really do think he has it in him. There's, I mean, he is one of the more scrutinized players in this organization. And I think that what we saw last year in Boba Chef's game, I think that he's going to hit the ground running, so to speak, and, and have a great season. Twitter agrees with you, Riley. 53.7 think he's going to be better than that, and only 7.3 think he's going to be worse, with 39 thinking the line is going to be right there. Riley, four players to get to. We're running up against the clock, so let's power through these quick. First one, your boy, Matt Chapman, entering his age 30 season last year. I think was a successful season for Matt Chapman. He didn't quite hit the 38 home runs. We thought he might, but he hit 27, hit 229 to go with it, and a 117 WRC plus for a four-war season. The pros, Riley, he looks like he's fully past that hip issue that plagued him a long while ago. It still has immense power. His exit velocity and hard hit numbers are still some of the best in the game. And he really, the defense is still good, still takes that leadership role. And yeah, what are your thoughts on Chapman this year? He's going to, I think Chapman's going to draw over, over 75 walks this year. Love that. I think that's really going to do good for his on-base percentage. I also see, I also have him as a 30 home run hitter. Don't have him as a 38 home run hitter, 31, 32, 33, somewhere around those numbers. Um, yeah. Uh, this is a guy who, I mean, He's he's at a tough batting order. Naturally, you'd you'd see this guy hit higher up in the order, but because he's on the team, he is. He hits lower for us, and you know what? I'm okay with that because you got a guy with a lot of pop hitting in the bottom third of your order. I mean, I'm cool with that. Plus, you look at his defensive numbers. We don't even we talk about that all the time. I mean. Don't care about the gold glove, whatever. This guy is a gold glove defender, a platinum mm -hmm. glove at that. I mean, I just, I really hope that, you know, there's a lot of strikeouts. There's a lot of swing and miss in, miss in his game. I know that that's probably going to be the same story this year. But I would really like to see, you know, if he is taking those big swings and misses, then possibly, you know, some more power numbers to go with that. Maybe, you know, more doubles. I mean, he did have 27 doubles last year, which is not bad. Uh, the same number of, of long balls. So, I mean, 30 and 30 would be really cool. Um, I expect something along those lines. Steamer projects 221, 26 home runs, a 111 WRC plus for Matt Chapman. Where do you fall on that line? Oh, baby. Raise, raise the roof on that one. Let's go. Um, I, I'm going to say 221 average is is a great projection. I don't, I'm not disrespected at all by that because we it certainly could happen. But I do have him around 235, 240 with 30 home runs, Jesse. Okay, love that. Our Twitter pollers agree with you. 68.4% think a better thing is in store for Matt Chapman. And only 26 think he's worse. And about 289 think he's going to be just right. We got our outfielders to go, Riley. We're going on to our new guy, Dalton Varshow, who we got in the big trade this offseason. He is entering his age 26 season. Hit 234 last year with 27 home runs and a WRC plus of 106, a four and a half four season. We've talked about him before in a few episodes here too. The defense is amazing. He's dramatically going to shore up this. His outs above average was the best in all of baseball last year. And he turned into an extreme pole hitter last year, Riley. Over 50% of the batted balls he hit were to the pole side, which actually could help with the new dimensions in Rogers Center here now. And it might help him tap into his power potential a little more. Speed isn't bad. He could probably steal some bags too. The con though, Riley, as I'm not sure the bat is elite for Dalton Varsho. Yeah, he flirted with about 30 home runs, but the exit velocity numbers are quite low. His batting average is never going to be there. His OBP skills aren't the best either. So if the bat isn't coming through, there is a chance he just kind of bottoms out at the plate. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but there is the risk there because there is like some Colby Rasmus thing here. He's going to have to make some good swing decisions to be at a high impact piece. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dalton Varsho for this season? 
I mean, of course you want big things from this guy. You look at the uh, look at what we gave up for him and our best prospect in our system that has that played some good games with us last year and then longtime Blue Jay Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Yeah. You look at you look at Dalton Varsho and two things jump off at you, and that's that he's got two like besides his defense, his defense is elite. He's a he can play catcher. He's got speed in the outfield. He's got a well above average throwing arm. Um, he's a four. He's a like a literal four tool player. His bat to ball skills is the only hindering thing. This is a guy who's probably going to scrape around. 230, 235 this year, I would say at the most for most times. But he has a chance to be a guy who, and I think he easily hits 20 home runs, and I think he could steal 20 bags. I think, if again, if you hit 27 home runs, Jesse, you can hit 30 home runs. And Rogers Center is not not necessarily a place where you need exit velocity. A high fly ball that gets out of the ballpark is a a home run if you hit it maybe to the right right field pole, something like that. Varsho, definitely, I can see him hitting 30 home runs this year. And then 20 steals would also be nice to go along with that, something along those lines but again i'm with you jesse i just don't see the batting average on base skills i think if he hovers around a 300 on base percentage i mean that would be great but again that's the lowest that you can really go a 310 315 would be spectacular and i'd be happy with that because he's probably doing some good things on the other side of those numbers steamer projects 235 26 home runs a 113 wrc plus riley where do you stand i'm a little i'm a little bit higher the power and uh, right along the same time, the lines of the the averages. Um, I yeah, again, I just don't see him really, you know, g- getting those base base hits. And I don't think it's another guy who is should benefit from the shift, but I don't think does as much as, as other guys yeah. will. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you there. Uh, 46.4% of our Twitter followers thought better, 14.3% thought worse, and 393 It's where I stand. Uh, I think the line is just right. Two more players to go. This is our new defensive whiz, our new center fielder. We've seen him in the AL East quite a bit. It is Kevin Kiermeyer entering his age 34 season. He was quite bad last year, 228, seven home runs at WRC plus a 90, but was still good defender. He's probably going to be the best Blue Jays defender we've had since probably Kevin Pillar out there. And a true grit and grind player, which Blue Jays fans have always liked. Sprint speed is still amazing. So he he's my pick to lead the Blue Jays in stolen bases this year. And he's very good at taking that extra base or moving up on sack flies or pass balls, et cetera. And Riley, I do say, I do love a good leg kick in his swing, which Kevin Kiermeyer has always had. So what are your thoughts for Kevin Kiermeyer this season? I, 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 I see another kind of seven, eight home run season. The big thing obviously is defense. Um, he's going, he's going to do some great things defensively for us. And we haven't had an outfielder. I mean, we've had, we had Pilar, obviously a huge fan favorite for, for years. And, um, we got the guy who basically, you know, had, uh, two or three thefts of the gold glove from Kevy P. Right. So we got that guy, man. And I was reading some of the comments, um, and a lot of them are, you know, and it seems real positive. We see it, that Blue Jays more out and about social events, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and then the consensus is in the comments are damn, like stop, like making me like you, Kevin. Cause he just yeah, seems exactly. like a good guy. I kept seeing those comments are always good to see. We get a We, Hey, we get a, a veteran outfielder that has knows how to play um, defensively, who knows how to run the bases. He's not going to give us a lot at the plate. I don't, I don't predict, uh, like, you know, very high numbers. So, 220 average, seven home runs. Again, it's maybe a 300 on base guy. You know, if a, if a guy that we maybe a guy who can bunt for us that's oh, not uh, 
I know that we don't talk a lot about bunts. Jesse's not a bunt guy. I mean, clearly he's he's a guy who hits home runs. Bunts are cool. <laughs> bunts are cool sometimes. Small ball is not bad. Small ball is not dead. Punk's not dead. Small ball's not dead. But yeah, I still think that Kevin Kiermeyer has it in his bag of tricks to do it defensively. I don't see it at the plate, man. I don't I don't know what kind of what kind of projections do you got, Jesse, for what he does at the plate? Two twenty eight, nine home runs at WRC plus of eighty five. So they're thinking he's gonna get worse this year. And honestly, I get it. Like the ex Woba, ex slugging, ex ex batting average, barrel percentage, all bottom twenty percent of the league. His walk rate has dropped each of the last three seasons, his K rate has gone up each of the last five. But Blue Jays have always loved this guy who doesn't really hit that well, but is gritty, is grindy, and plays good defense. So where do you stand on those projections, Riley? And what do you think our Twitter followers thought about that too? I mean, I think our Twitter followers, um, I think that they would have had it right around the same. I mean, it's hard to say that he's going to get better. You got you got Father Time knocking on the uh, knocking at your door, and um, too with him if, as well, right? Yes, if anything's going to save him, it's to hit. And, you know, in, in the Rogers Center. But then you look at the ballparks that he plays in for the most part. And, it, the, you know, the stat adjusted, um, you know, it's stat adjustments aren't going to do too much because he played in the American League East. Let's not forget that. So, yeah, I'm right around. The, I'm right around the same as uh, what the, um, they have their projections at. All right. Twitter followers thought 40.6 think he's going to be better. There's a lot of love, a lot of helium for Kevin Kiermaier right now. Um, 9.4 thought it was worse. And about 50% thought the line was just right. And that makes sense to me. Last player on the list, Riley, that's George Springer. He is entering his age 33 season. He had 267, 25 home runs, a 132 WRC plus last year. And Riley, this guy can still mash. He's one of the best, honestly. That free agent signing still looks so good for this team. His uh, max exit velocity is still in the top 10% of the league. And he can take the ball to all fields with authority. The speed, Riley, I think is better. Better than you think for his age. He had 14 stolen bases last year. And unlike a lot of hitters in this Blue Jays lineup, George Springer absolutely crushes the four-seam fastball still. Plus 15 run value, which is elite. It might even be some of the best in the game at hitting the fastball. And his defense should only get better with a move to right field this year. So, yeah, you can deal with his injury concerns, you know. Because remember, the last time we saw George Springer, Riley, he was on a cart being taken out with a concussion, right? So we got to see how does this guy recover from that. Still on the wrong side of 30, which I said, right? And his walk rate has dropped each of the last four seasons, got under 10% for the first time in his career last year. So, Riley, what are your thoughts on George Springer going into this year? First thought of George Springer is, yeah, when we got him, when we signed him, this it still looks like a good signing. I think the contract's going to follow up nicely for a great career, um, a very unique leadoff hitter, probably one of the best, if not the best, power leadoff hitter of all time, and, and a modern-day specialist at that, George Springer. Gonna play right field this year, I imagine for the most part. If that's how the plan is kind of looks like it's gonna fall, then I think he'll do fine in right field. Hopefully it helps with the longevity, his durability, and the ability to play in the lineup. Maybe not, you know, an everyday player, but more often than not, probably see him at DH at some times this year as well. Um yeah, he still does a lot of things right, Jesse. And you're right. Yeah. I do under I do under mind George Springer's speed uh, and you know that's that's only because at a time he was you know he was a very good base runner he could steal a lot more bags it's just that what that's what comes with age and sat and you know I guess not sadly but we don't have a 27 year old George Springer we have a 33 34 year old George Springer so that adds to a different element we're trying to get whatever baseball we can and the biggest thing is what we're going to get out of George Springer is he can still mash. He can still crush baseballs, man. He's still one of the best at doing it. He is 
always been since his tenure with this team, an instrumental part in our lineup and a and he, I, every time he's batting leadoff, you always have the chance at a leadoff home run. Mm-hmm. You always have a chance for him to get on base. He can still draw walks. I know that his walk rate is down a little bit more, but he still seems like more often than not, he was drawing good walks last year. I do still have faith that Springer is going to have a good season, but we do have to remember that every year that he, every year he plays after the last it's somewhere his his numbers are going to falter and i still think his power is is with us that's one t- my one takeaway that is that george springer's power is still there as far as the average probably a little bit less than last year that's m- my personal thought maybe maybe around the same number of, of walks that's a, more of an unlucky thing i still think that he finishes with a good on base percentage as well though too I do think, though, as we get into his mid-30s here, like the best years of George Springer's career might be behind him. Now it's a question of how much is it going to fall off a cliff, right? If it only falls off 3%, 4%, then we're fine. He's still a very good player. He's still going to be fine. But if it jumps to like 15 20% of his normal skills, then the Blue Jays might be in trouble. But I would bet I'd bet the former rather than the latter. I don't think that's going to happen here. And I think good things for George Springer. In fact, Steamer projects 257, 29 home runs, 132 WRC+. plus. Where do you stand on that, Riley? I'm right along the same line. If he could have, if he could just milk a 30 home run season, I think that would be exceptional. 29, I could live with 29 home runs. 270 batting average. Eh, you know what? For the sake of this, I do think George has what it takes. I don't know what I voted on Twitter. I did vote in these polls. Sadly, I don't know what I voted for Springer. I'm going to say he's going to do better than those projected numbers. So it's okay. not going to be by ton, but I'm saying better. I went line is just right. Our Twitter followers go 28.1% better, 18.8% worse. And the line is just right at a 53.1%. But honestly, 30 bombs, 260 average, 132 home runs. We will take that any day of the week, Riley. So to wrap up here, that's all our big players there. Is there one or two players on this list that could surprise you with a big monster season to come out of nowhere to take a big step forward? I mean, yeah, there's always that chance. Like Varsho, for instance, if he does the okay. things right with the power, I mean, he has a real chance to to really take off. Sadly, with the thing on second base, I mean, who's going to be the guy that really takes off? Because I think Kevin's missing. He's got a lot of holes in his game. If Witt turns back the clock, you know, maybe he has some extra base hits in him, things like that. Maybe some, you know, good batting average, some multi-hit games. And Espinal just doesn't really have the power to be a game changing type player. So in the middle of the infield, no, again, like, so our smaller guys, no, but a guy like Bo Bichette. Yeah. That's my pick. Who, who, who has Bo Bichette can break out, man. This is a guy who, I mean, if he starts the year off, right. And in this upcoming year, I, I, I feel like Jesse, that it's not, it's not, we're not too far off. That if we have uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette playing at their very best, they are two top ten players in Major League Baseball, and I think that they're, it's a di- it's a dynamite duo. It's a can't lose recipe if that's if that's how it happens. I mean, but we're we're gonna have to see what Bo Bichette does, mm-hmm. and I, I I truly believe that how he finished off the year and how he's gonna go about this. I hope that he uses the arbitration and kind of fuels fuels him for this upcoming year. And he, and he has a high, I mean, when you lead the American League in hits, there are going to be different types of hits. He's a guy no who course. can hit 40 doubles, 30 home runs, I mean, and like five triples or whatever. Um, and a guy who can get close to 200 hits, man, that's 
big. Bobachet could poss- is a game-changing player, man. I really think he could be an X-factor for us this year if he is on a tear. And which player in these lineup that we mentioned here today do you think has the most likely to disappoint to have a really poor uh, offensive season? I mean, definitely um, what worries me is Alejandro Kirk just yeah. a little bit. Mine as well, I, yeah. I mean, it's it's too bad to say, but I mean, there's a chance that I mean, there's a chance that his power really disappears mm-hmm. uh, again. I mean, the bat, the ball skills is is great, but um, if the exit velocity isn't there, and he's a guy who was kind of played straight up for the most part anyway, so the shift yep. really doesn't have any implications on him, and a lot of it, you know, bat a ball, bat a ball percentages and luck kind of fall into if he's lining out, grounding out a lot. If those bloopers are being caught or line drives being caught, that you could really see him. You know, go over over four with a pop out and three ground outs, where that game could have easily been turned around, and it's a two for four day instead yep. of an zero for four day. So, I mean, a lot of luck goes into that, of course. But I could just, sadly, I could possibly see it happening to Kirk, and that's just the baseball gods kind of poo-pooing on you for not hitting the ball in the seats. Kirk is the number one choice. I could also see disappointing seasons from George Springer and Dalton Varsho as well. Although I hope we get uh, positive ones from there, but. We'll see. I'm excited. We are now 33 days away from our first spring training game and 68 days away from opening day. So, Riley, it'll be here before you know it. That's going to do it for our episode here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Next week on our episode, we're going to look at the pitching staff now. We're going to do kind of the same thing that we did here, go through what our expectations are for all the pitchers and see how we think they're going to perform next year. So please like and subscribe to the channel if you're watching us on YouTube and if you're listening to us on podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. We'll be back later this week to discuss the pitching stuff. Riley, anything else to add before we get out of here today? Nope. Uh, happy birthday to us in a sense sure. where, you know, um, one year doing this and yeah, next week, I mean this, you know, talking about position players isn't totally stressful. I mean, gear down for our next one. We can, we talk pitchers. We will have a lot of interesting stuff to talk yes, about. A lot of, yes, a lot of varying cases, you know, you could look at this as a court case and look at the, we go from <laughs> have the top of the top and the low of the lows kind of to talk about and everything in between. So don't miss that one guys. If you liked our episode on our, position players you will love what we have to say about the toronto blue jays pitching staff in 2023 all right we'll see you guys next week thanks for tuning in we'll see you again thanks guys